Hi folks. Just before we get started this month with the next installment of Filthy Henry Case Files, we'd love to hear from you how we're getting on. All you need to do is add a star, or a like, or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. We'd really appreciate it. Now, on to the episode. Filthy Henry Case Files. Out of Luck. Part 1. Guarded detective Fiona Fahey lifted the yellow tape demarking the boundary of the crime scene. In fact, it wasn't clear to her at that point if it was a crime scene or the scene of an accident. That had yet to be established. She walked over to the forensics officer who was busy taking photographs. Detective, the forensic scientist said. Molesworth, she replied curtly. What have we got? Molesworth pointed at the baby grand piano, smashed and crumpled on the ground. A grand piano, he began, and a pair of legs. He pointed at a pair of legs jutting out from below the piano. The legs wore modest black stockings and a pair of black safety shoes on the feet. Fahi looked up. They were standing beside a five-storey apartment building, taller than usual for this part of Dublin. The apartments in the front of the building all had double balcony doors big enough for a piano to be pushed through. Even a large piano such as this one. On the fourth floor, she saw the doors were open. The balcony rail had been detached and was hanging loosely. Any idea on the victim? Molesworth nodded. While checking for life signs, the fire brigade picked up her bag and found her driver's licence. She's a nun. Sister Assumpta Ball. So you're telling me a nun gets crushed by a baby grand piano in the middle of Dublin City? What are the odds? Where's the unseen Garda? Downey, over there. He's interviewing locals. Fahey walked over to an older-looking, stocky Garda with brilliant white hair. Downey, what are we looking at? she asked the Garda. Detective? Looks like a freak accident from where I'm standing. Really? Someone drops a piano on a nun? That sounds like grounds for manslaughter to me. Well, now that's the thing. The apartment the piano fell out of is empty. We forced the lock in case it was a lunatic looking for innocent passers-by to drop things on. The neighbours confirmed it also. The place belongs to a professional piano player who has apparently been in the US for the past two months. Fahi looked up at the open balcony window. Could have been someone else? Hmm, it's a possibility. But there were signs that it may just have been a terrible sequence of events. Such as? Downey stuck his tongue out over his lip and flipped open his notepad. Well, we found a trail of grease across the floor in the apartment. It seems to have gotten under the wheels of the piano. Well, that wouldn't explain how it got through the doors with enough force to open them. Or the fact that the balcony rail has been damaged. Well, let me run through this before you jump to any conclusions. We looked at the balcony rail. It's rusted to nothing at the joint with the wall. Most likely it would have taken no force at all to push it outwards. And get this. The double doors were unlocked. Either the owner forgot to lock them, 
or they never bothered as no one could get up there anyway. But that's so unlikely though. No one moving away for a couple of months would leave doors open. Also, that doesn't explain how the piano got moving in the first place. Well, we found a cat in the apartment. Fahi eyeballed him. So you're suggesting a cat pushed the piano? I'm simply saying that the neighbours were in the apartment every evening to feed the cat, and to give it some air, on the balcony like. Okay, so that would explain the open door, but you can't be suggesting a cat dropped a piano on the nun. From where I'm standing, the piano's on wheels, and with the extra grease on the floor, I can't be sure of anything. But the cat would have to push the piano. It sounds impossible. How big is this cat? I don't know. Cat size. I'll tell you one last thing for nothing. The cat was using the leg of the piano as a scratchboard. He pointed at one of the legs of the piano, which had significant trauma from scratching. Fahi shook her head. It would have to be the worst luck in the world if what you're describing actually happened. For your own sake, Downey, just stick to the facts. I wouldn't write that theory down anywhere. If someone had access to the apartment, it's still possible the piano was pushed out the window. And even if the perpetrator hadn't intended on killing anyone, they will be charged with manslaughter. Were there any witnesses? Not as yet. A few locals poking their noses in. What do you want me to do with the cat? Shut up about the cat, Fahi replied. No more mentioning of cats. Back at the office, Fahi looked at the pile of paperwork on her desk. As desks went, it was as neat as it could be, even with the proliferation of reports strewn across it. Fahi herself was the height of neatness. She wore an understated business suit and a white shirt, modestly buttoned up to the top. Her hair was always tied high in a ponytail. Neatness and order were Fahi's way of keeping her demons away. At that moment she was muttering to herself, repeating the details of the piano-dropping case under her breath. None of it made sense. There was no evidence at all to suggest a person had been in the apartment and pushed a piano through the window. No motive, no witnesses, nothing. Just a dead nun, minding her own business on her way to the shops. Her desk phone rang with a shrill digital tone. Fahi, she answered. A muffled voice on the line spoke for several seconds before she responded. You're kidding me. I'll be right there. She put the phone down and grabbed her jacket from the back of her chair. She exited Kevin Street Garda Station on foot and walked several hundred metres to the bottom of Bull Alley Street, which ran alongside St. Patrick's Park. The road had been closed. Several Garda cars blocked access to the roadway as other Gardaí directed traffic. She could see several aluminium barrels strewn across the road and noticed some thirsty-looking locals eyeing them up through the adjacent park railings. Fahi saw Downey's unmistakable shock of white hair and approached him. Downey, I'd say it's nice to see you, but twice in one week is already too much. Believe me, detective, the feeling is mutual. When you and the murder squad show up, that's the end of me leaving work on time. Hang on, didn't that piano incident happen just round the corner, she asked. Just across the road there on Hanover Lane, he said. And I've another strange one for you. Fahi groaned. 
Please don't say that. I'm barely through the evidence on the last one. The victim is a cyclist, crushed to death by several barrels of Guinness rolling over him. Fatty looked at the body lying on the road. The face was bloodied and the limbs bent in unusual ways. A crushed cycle helmet lay on the ground nearby. How the hell did this happen? For one, it's a one-way street. The barrels should have run down the street. What they did, Danny said. Assuming they fell off a Guinness truck, how did they fall off the back of it if the truck was going the correct way? It's a one-way street. You can only drive down it. Any sign of the truck? There has to be twenty barrels here. It's impossible not to notice them falling off. Yes, we have the truck driver in custody just over there. He claims it was an accident. But an accident where he drove the wrong way up a one-way street? Yes, he claims it's new. Doesn't know the inner city too well. He says he made an incorrect turn into Bull Alley Street, which would have forced him further down the wrong route. So instead of proceeding and taking the longer loop back around to where he was, he tried to U-turn back the other way. He executed his Yui and drove ten metres up the road the wrong way. It was then he says he heard the noise of the barrels hitting the road. Well, shouldn't the rear of the truck have been locked tight? Fahey asked. Well, that's the strange part. He says he did lock it. He was emphatic about it. Fahey looked over the scene once again. It was clear what had happened. The rear of the truck had opened on a rather significant slope and several of the heavy barrels had fallen off the truck, rolling down and subsequently over the victim. She imagined the truck doing its U-turn on the relatively narrow street. She walked over to a lamppost nearby, gesturing for Downey to follow. Squatting down, she picked up a broken metal clasp. Looks like the driver hit the lamppost while reversing, but just at the right angle to shear off the locking mechanism on the back of the truck. Seems plausible, but rather unlikely. Fahey looked across at the carnage on the road. If I hadn't seen what I saw yesterday, I would have said that this is the worst look I've ever seen. Downey looked at her thoughtfully. Luck isn't supposed to work like that. There has to be balance. Good luck cancelling out bad luck, especially when it comes to life and death. What are you babbling about? I think we might need a little bit of external advice on this one, Downey said. From who? From someone with a unique perspective. Someone who might help us figure out what's really going on. Leave it with me. Downey, you're not making much sense. But I won't say no to a fresh set of eyes. Make the call. Downey took out his phone and began rifling through numbers. Detective Fahey was taking a typical approach, he thought, for a human. Unbeknownst to his co-workers, Downey was a fairy. A particular type of fairy called a leerling. Leerlings were capable of transforming between human and swan shape and were primarily responsible for monitoring the boundary between the human and fairy worlds. In recent times, many leerlings had gone into the law enforcement business as it facilitated policing fairies who broke the rules and also because it was permanently pensionable. The rules were the laws that governed the fairy world and the only thing keeping fairies from running riot in the human world. This case had Downey stumped. Yesterday, he had gone to make sure the house cat in the apartment was just that. If it had been a Grimalkin or a caught sea, 
it might have explained the flying piano. Disgruntled fairies were not just known for mischief. It was guaranteed. All he had found in the apartment was a normal cat, unable to focus on anything but its own needs and its next meal. Despite this, the Garda sensed there was something magical afoot with the two cases, hence the need for a very particular individual to get involved, an individual that most of the fairy community detested dealing with, but sometimes engaging with the necessary evil was the only course a good fairy could take. Filthy Henry the fairy detective was having a glorious morning. Unusually, he had no pending cases to solve and nowhere in particular to be, which was making him feel quite accomplished. He had been down to his favourite café three times already to pick up coffee and pastries, and each time had burned off just enough magic to justify another trip to refuel his magical tank. Normally he would never waste good magical energy just to make room for more pastries but Filthy Henry felt today was going to go his way, so why not have a little fun? After he had digested his latest round of pastries, he was heading to Bunty Dooley's bar to engage in some serious day drinking, which in his case was a rather pointless exercise, because due to his magical properties, he couldn't really get drunk. He heard a distinctive phone ring from somewhere else in the building. His apartment was above his office, or rather, the office he shared with his partner Shelley. He groaned and let it ring out for a while, but it didn't stop. He would bet anything it was a fairy calling, with their absolute inability to read his not-so-subtle antisocial cues, such as not answering the telephone. Finally, having had enough of the siren-like wail of the phone, he half-stumbled, half-crawled to his office to pick it up. Hello? Filthy Henry said. Celtic Investigations! a voice on the other end said. Here, I'm supposed to say that. Yes, you are. It's Downey. Downey, how did you get this number? Stop playing the fool. Shelley gave it to me. I'll have to have a word with her about that. She can't be giving out my phone number to just anyone. It's also in the paper, you idiot. Now listen up, I have something for you. I'm just not sure what it is yet, but it is serious. I'll just stop you there. I'm about to knock off for the day. But it's only midday. Where are you going? This is important. That's none of your business. Are you going drinking? That's a free country. Listen, I have two dead bodies here and two horrific crime scenes, seemingly unrelated except for one thing. Let me guess. The smell? Filthy Henry asked. No. Both of them died from extreme bad luck. I think there's some other agency at work. You mean like MI6? Filthy. Just be serious for a second. Filthy Henry sighed a deep sigh. In his bones, he knew this was exactly the sort of case he existed to investigate. Day drinking and bunty doolies would have to wait. Okay, where do I meet you? He asked in a resigned voice. Outside Kevin Street Station. I'll introduce you to the lead detective and she'll brief you. No, there's no need for introductions. I'll be working this one alone, Filthy Henry said automatically. Don't worry. She's just going to give you the details. I'll see you there in an hour. Filthy Henry put the phone down and thought for a moment about the conversation. It was almost impossible to distinguish bad luck arising from chance versus bad luck arising from magic. But extreme bad luck, that was different. 
that strongly suggested magical intervention. One thing was certain. He wasn't going to find out more by just standing there. He picked up his brown trench coat off the coat rack and left the office. Downey stood awkwardly between Filthy Henry and Detective Fahey. They stood staring at one another in an Olympic-level game of sizing someone up. Fairy detective, Fahey said sceptically. Human detective, Filthy Henry replied. Fahey turned to Downey. I knew you were a little eccentric. Some might even say flighty, but really, Downey? Just give him a chance. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. He's worked with us plenty of times, albeit mostly before your time. Detective Fahey thought for a moment. Strange as it was, she figured she had nothing to lose. She proceeded to brain-dump the two cases to Filthy Henry. The fairy detective listened to every detail with a hand on his chin thoughtfully. When Fahey finished the briefing, Filthy Henry finally spoke. Honestly, this sounds like a cross between the Wizard of Oz and a Monty Python sketch. Real people lost their lives, Fahey said. Fair enough, except that. I just have one question. Shoot. Could you uh, repeat all of that? Or write it down? I wasn't really taking it in. Are you serious? Fahey said, anger rising in her voice. No, I'm just trying to lighten the mood. Fahey turned to Downey. Who is this clown? Filthy. Behave for once in your life. There's a consultancy fee going here if you manage to actually help us, Downey said. All right, all right. I'll stow the jokes. I'll need to inspect the crime scenes. I assume access won't be a problem. Before I go, I do have a question. At the scenes, have either of you noticed an unusual number of black cats about? This time Detective Fahey threw up her hands in exasperation and walked off shaking her head. What's her problem? Filthy Henry asked. You know what her problem is. She's human, Danny replied. A fairy detective, a human and a leerling standing outside a police station. It does sound like the start of a bad joke. Suddenly Filthy Henry stopped speaking and lifted his head into the air. He took an experimental sniff before drawing in a deep lungful of the street. He said nothing for several seconds and looked confused. Downey followed his gaze. What is it? Kebab, Filthy Henry said. I'm not the fancy kind either. Oh, for Dagda's sake. I thought you were onto something. I am. Just happens to be a kebab. Well, I've better things to be doing with my time than entertaining your stomach. Get back to me if you find anything, Downey finished, before going back into the police station. Filthy Henry barely acknowledged Downey's departure. He continued inhaling deep breaths through his nostrils. On the air he could smell an acrid tinge that reminded him of something. He flicked on his fairy vision, his second sight that allowed him to see the fairy world. Suddenly everything was cast in a light blue hue. As he looked towards St. Patrick's Cathedral, he saw a tendril of mist snaking into the air. He would have said it was smoke, but it had its own green tinge. When he switched off his fairy vision, the smoke disappeared, meaning it was manifesting as a result of magic. He wondered why Downey hadn't mentioned it, although it was possible it had grown worse since the freak accidents and he simply hadn't seen it. Usually, Filthy Henry couldn't smell magic, just the results of magic. When he conjured fireballs, 
They didn't have any smell in of themselves, except when he wasn't concentrating fully and they smell of singed hair. When he transported himself from one place to another, there was a great light show, but no scent. The only time he could remember a distinct magical smell was when full-blooded fairies cast magic during thunderstorms. The magic seemed to interact with the ionised air. This smell, however, was different. It smelled industrial, almost greasy, which was impossible as fairies had no time for manufacturing. Not when they could conjure whatever they wanted. He imagined the smell was similar to setting alight a twenty-year-old sofa which had been owned by the world's laziest and most flatulent man. The tendril of smoke was a magical chemtrail, the likes of which Filthy Henry was wholly unfamiliar with. Intriguing, he thought. Filthy Henry Case Files Out of Luck is an original story by Derek Power and Niall Milton. Music and production by Niall Milton. Part two of this story is available now. Just go to the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe or leave a rating or review on your platform of choice. We'd love to hear from you.